0: Hey everybody, Uh, it's been a long time. Welcome back to the Silicon Sasquatch Podcast. This is episode 58, and we are almost to the day, two years since our last recording. Isn't that right, Nick? Yeah, y'all thought we were gone, because we kind of were. Well, yeah, we ran away for a bit, Uh, but we are back, and if you have already been following our website in the last uh, couple of months... You have seen we posted new content, we're still working on some um, upcoming articles and pieces, and that's about after close to a year and a half of hiatus uh, in April 2015. So we put everything on ice for a bit, but um, there is some catch-up to do. So to start off with a conversation, we'll be broaching maybe a little bit of a a review of the last couple years, not extensively as far as games go, and where we're at in our lives related to games and criticism, um, and I guess kind of some non-game news related to the election, but we're not gonna get political, I promise. So uh joining me today uh is Nick Cummings. Howdy hey. And Doug Bonham. Good morning from Tokyo. And I am Aaron Thayer, and yeah, this this is good to be back. So Yeah. Uh,
1: it is good. It's uh, nice to put this podcasting microphone back to its intended use.
0: Yeah the The expensive microphones we have have been gathering dust for the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, they make me sound amazing on Overwatch, but that's about it. Yeah, Yeah, that's a game that came out in the last couple of years, so we'll have a lot to talk about, right? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, So I guess let's get started. Nick had sort of teed up this this idea of wanting to get back into the podcast world uh, with kind of some, I guess... We should start with currently where we're at in the news. So we're about a few days removed from the uh, election of Donald Trump as president. And while, again, we're not going to get into that, uh, it's kind of a good way to frame uh, why we're getting back into the blog, first of all, a couple of months ago, and what we want to do with the podcast and why we're podcasting today. So does anybody want to start with sort of a summation of uh, why we're back in the first place and what's on their mind?
1: Yeah, I'll jump in to get things kicked off. Um, so, you know, if, like like Aaron mentioned a few months ago, we started having conversations about uh, getting back into writing about games. Uh, it's uh, definitely been the common thread, or one of them, uh, between the five of us here at Silicon Sasquatch for many, many years, since like 2008, 2009, when we really started to get the ball rolling. Uh, but, you know, obviously in the intervening you know year and a half between when the site ended and when we got back into things a lot has changed for each of us uh you know it's we a lot of us have moved changed jobs Aaron's a married man now so you know congratulations yep thank you (laughs) uh I'm still living in Portland so that's not super different but yeah um we or I guess rather I like I really wanted to find a way to start channeling some of that energy that we used to put towards this site uh, into talking about the things that um, I spend all my time thinking about anyway. And um, we've mentioned this before, but even when the site stopped publishing, the five of us have stayed in pretty much daily constant contact through a group chat. And so even though we weren't publishing stuff, we were still effectively having the same, you know, bullshitting about video games and like talking about news. And like uh, <laughs> Spencer even jokingly said, we should have branded ourselves as a think tank and not a video games blog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so look for our uh, nonprofit to open headquarters in D.C. next year. But until then, uh, I think we all kind of, you know, maybe it was just a critical mass. And, uh, you know, Doug, feel free to chime in here. But mm-hmm. I think each of us um, realized this is a thread we wanted to pick up again, uh, the whole conversation about games and participating in that conversation.
2: Yeah, we, we again, <clears throat> we've had, whether we were planning actual articles or not, we've had constant communication on some sort of chat. Now, now we can sound like the cool kids and say, we have our own Slack channel. And, uh, at, at one point in the summer or the fall, it just, so I've kind of resettled. I, last time you heard from me, I was not doing a like super great job or, and I was living in a really crappy apartment in Tokyo. And now I'm in a much better apartment in Yokohama in Japan and have a much better job and much more settled career. So, that has taken some time and taken some focus from me, but sometime during the summer or early fall, I just I think myself and Nick and Aaron and even Spencer and Tyler all kind of dropped nuggets and I was like, guys, should we get the site going again? And it was like asking a yeah. girl
0: out on a date for the first time. You're like, just please don't say no. <laughs> Fear of rejection sucks. We all know that. Uh Yeah, I I would echo my uh, colleagues here, and I guess because of the chat that uh, Nick mentioned and the daily communications about games and game criticism, uh, yeah, it never really went away, and uh, after a year and a half of not doing something that we had more or less done almost daily for seven years, give or take... Uh, it, it was a feeling of restlessness when we put everything on hiatus. So uh, we all still played games. Um, we talked about the news. We dissected um, trends and uh, always were throwing salt on things and <laughs> challenging each other. Uh, and we you know, have so
2: and we have even better ways to throw in memes and gifts into our daily
1: lives. This is fantastic. Slack yeah, Slack was, is explicitly designed to make inserting memes and gifs into conversation like almost stupidly easy. So
0: yeah, Nick added a Giphy uh, add-on to Slack, which was the end of most conversations. Well, I was going <laughs> to say,
1: like in spite of that, we've managed to maintain a good uh, tone of conversation throughout and have some you know meaningful discussions. So Giphy, uh, Giphy add-on for Slack might be our game of the year. Yeah, add-on of the year. It's very compelling,
0: um, has very good gameplay. It does. <laughs> and it's not safe for work, <laughs> usually. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm I, I'm glad to be back to it. And you know, I've only posted one piece so far. Uh, I myself am looking forward to Game of the Year to wrap up the year, which we will be doing again, as we have even last year, when we were technically done. We came back together for what we were calling sort of a one last game of the year, which uh, Nick appropriately put together with a uh, fawns jumping the shark uh, (laughs) header for the article. But uh, we're going to do that again this year and be a little bit more robust. You know, we cobbled it together last year as a last ditch effort. We just didn't want to let go. But that was kind of the story, I guess, after even um, 2015 wrapped up. We just didn't really ever let go. Uh, There was, as Doug said, sort of a eventual, hey, we should do this. Okay. Everyone thought it was a good idea in September of this year, but even up until that point, um, we kind of joked about it or Nick and I were for a little bit doing our own separate podcasts, uh, talking about games. And we put out a few, like a half dozen episodes ish. And so, uh, Spencer has still been doing his own podcasting and, um, we've all done creating and creation of content since the blog wrapped up uh temporarily so it's been there but we're back together and it feels good and I think the difference this time is how we're approaching um the act of creation we've Nick and I especially have uh, glossed over this kind of um or covered it I should say this idea of joining up again and uh, why we want to create and what the blog meant to us in uh, kind of our introductory pieces, uh, talking about World of Warcraft also. So it's been a really weird year. Um, It is very strange how that came
2: from. It is very, very strange how World of Warcraft started Silicon Sasquatch and getting back into World of Warcraft now a few years later with this new expansion has restarted you guys into into this i i don't understand i don't i'm an unthawed caveman lawyer i do not understand your ways with this (laughs) world of warcraft but yeah dovetailed
0: this i guess a grinding away in an rpg makes you want to write about the futility of grinding away in an rpg but not it's actually not that bad like wow legion the expansion that came out isn't in my opinion that bad but yeah so that's where we're at Uh, we started back in september and it feels good. Um, And we're not treating it like a possible business. That was something I wrote in my first piece back, uh, editorial of this is not, we're not trying to make money off of it this time, which is not to say that was the sole goal. But I think that did kind of personally wear me down. Um, At the time, for several years during the blog, I just had a job I didn't really like. And so I thought of this as an opportunity and, and an escape. But Really what I value is the conversations we get to have as a group, Um, the dissections we get to do as friends and as colleagues. And that is, after the time away, what I realized I want to do with this blog, regardless of who reads it or who participates, we at least do it for each other and we put it out there. So that's kind of why I'm back.
1: Yeah, I got to say my motivations are pretty similar. Uh, A few years ago, and really for a long time, um, during this blog's life cycle uh Aaron and I in particular have talked a lot about wanting to try to you know I think each of us grew up reading video game magazines we grew up you know just playing the hell out of stuff and trying to you know channel our insights into something a little bit more constructive into something more permanent and you know I still to this day think it would be amazing if I could sustain myself off of you know games criticism games analysis and uh you know there's maybe a path to that at some point in the future but um In the last couple of years in particular, you know, I've, I've done a lot of soul searching about like, uh, career versus, uh, aspiration and hobby Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. I'm sure we all have. Um, we've all been through, I think all of us have been through pretty substantial career changes in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. With that in mind, um, I think that what matters most to me, and this is a perspective I'm trying to really fully embrace. It's been a little bit of a adjusting period for me, but is that it, what matters is doing the work and putting it out there that you think is valuable. It's, um, you know, the society we live in, for better or worse, isn't built to enable people to follow their passions primarily. There's always going to be overlap for some people. There are people who can really just hustle like hell and make it work no matter what. But for me, you know, I... I'm fortunate to have a lifestyle where I can spend my weekends and evenings working on this stuff, getting people together to do a podcast, writing articles, prepping yet another massive, um, kind of intimidating Game of the Year feature for uh, this December. And, you know, to be honest, uh, it's been wonderful to see people liking our posts, sharing our content, getting back in touch with us and saying they really enjoyed our writing, which by the way, I've heard compliments on everything we posted from at least one person, so you know
0: and you're out there talking to people and then you get that sort of immediate feedback which is great um i still sometimes feel a bit in a bubble with what we do but you you've heard so many great things and that's really encouraging and we appreciate that so much
2: yeah i've uh, i've heard from some of my friends either commenting on facebook or you know you put the article up there you see some of your my friends that also like video games leave the the likes and comments immediately so that feels good and A couple of my colleagues have also, you know, I've got friends from work now on Facebook as well, and they spotted it, and they go, hey, this is cool, this is really fun to read. I didn't know a ton about this, but it was really well done, so I I think at the end of the day, when we put this down a, a year plus ago, it wasn't because we hated it or each other, we just needed, you know, we didn't have the time at the time. We didn't have the, maybe a little bit of burnout, but we didn't have the resources mentally or... In our, in our personal lives to dedicate as much to it and after taking a bit of a refresh and getting to places where we can dedicate again it's, it's good to get back into it
0: and I might even argue a little bit that I have technically less time than I did when we stopped but what's different for me um, you know being married now we had I guess we bought the house like right before um, we stopped last year but the difference kind of what you're talking about Doug for me is Uh, I, I'm not burnt out by trying to make this like make or break, um, and doing it for as Nick's, uh, touching on the, the act of doing it and the joy of doing that. And I think the good thing is, even though I technically have less time with more responsibilities in my life, I want to do this and there's less pressure to do it. So I'm not going to, I should be writing more and I should put out stuff more because that's what we came back for. But I'm also not going to beat myself up like I did when we were trying to go uh, full force at it and, you know, post this every week and do that every week and kind of treat each other like a newsroom, which, Hey, we've all come from that background, be it college or after, but that wasn't, I guess, in the end what was right for what we're trying to do.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we love that though. We love pretending and and making it feel like it is our own little newsroom, which might be a good way to retitle our Slack channel now from from here forward. Yeah, but the <laughs> and and the that you know, I, I think uh, Nick might share the opinion that that was probably the most fun job he and I both have ever had was the newsroom in college. But you know, it's we we make what we can ourselves, and we're disconnected as in we're in different locations, so we can't have a physical newsroom. We try to make that of you know what we can digitally since we have the tools to do that. And we've had a lot of experience crafting and formulating and settling on our style of intercourse or our style of discourse. Um, almost <laughs> said style. style of intercourse, which might, that might be separate. <laughs> Hello That's Mary, a separate Dan, podcast. Mary. My,
0: yeah, my style has changed a lot.
2: <laughs> we've learned a lot. We picked up a lot of experience. Read read some books. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe, maybe (laughs) took some time off. I'm not sure about you guys. Video Um, games
0: help with that. Very accurate.
2: Um, (laughs) Can learn a lot from the internet. Um, but yeah, we've, we've discoursed and we found ways to improve that. And we found ways to, you know, settle on what we like for how we interact and how we work on that together. And I think just even having this available as, you know, something to practice and something to work on and keep our, those skills sharp. And then, you know, don't think we settle out to make this a business and make this our own business, but you know, it happens. It happens. It doesn't. It doesn't. And even if it doesn't, this is this put pl- this is the same um, mental sort of place as the the football club I play with in in Japan or you know other hobbies that I have. This is a primary thing that I do to you know this help define myself outside of what my work is and what my degrees are or anything else I've done.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Look, if my career doesn't pan out, I'm either going to start a food truck, which is kind of behind the curve now uh, (laughs) in terms of um, being new, or I'm just going to go and try to make this blog into a business again. So until that point, (laughs) well, what we could do is
2: we could then we could get a small gathering and then put this up on Patreon and surely that huge sack of Patreon money will come in and that'll pay all of our student loans and bills, right?
0: Yeah, Mom. I know you're listening. You're, you're like, <laughs> hey, if we could get funding subscriber. for our
1: hosting, I'd be happy. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. as it stands, but I'm about to re-up that next week. So Before, yeah,
0: I'm sure, I think you're going to say something, Nick, but uh, could you tell the audience what our uh, lifetime uh, total <laughs> ad revenue is up
1: to? I would be thrilled to. So <laughs> most of you probably haven't noticed that we advertise on Silicon Sasquatch. Uh that's probably due to one, the fact that we haven't posted much for two years, and two, we bury our only ad uh below the fold, actually below every article. So you have to scroll way the hell down to see it. That being said, it's kind of a miracle that we have raised so far six dollars and eighty-seven cents <laughs> in advertising revenue life to date, uh which I consider to be a rousing uh success and honestly inspirational because that's more than we made off our books. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we uh oh, we've been in the
0: red I think since we've started this thing with hosting costs and then the book oh, and yeah. everything else. Also, but I don't know what you guys fine.
1: bill yourselves at hourly, but I think I owe myself like a small fortune for the time I've spent on this.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, hey, it's, uh, 6,
2: 687 is not nothing to laugh at though. I've gotten some pretty quality stuff at Book Off in Japan for 687 or less.
1: It's true. I mean, you can still get a really good beer here like a 22 ouncer for 687. So,
2: yeah. I'll take it. You can get an old um, Super Nintendo game for less than six eighty seven.
1: Yeah, you can get like I don't know, Mortal Kombat two. Maybe no, I think that one's expensive.
2: I, um, I I recently got Tecmo Super Bowl and Super Street Fighter two for less than six eighty seven together.
1: That's pretty good. Loose cartridges. Super Turbo is a good game. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, where were we? Right. Uh, so you guys listening out there. Um.
0: <laughs> For, hopefully, click that one ad, please. Yeah. Well, unfortunately,
1: <laughs> we can't advertise on this podcast, but if you'd like to advertise on this podcast, uh, we don't have the
0: infrastructure to set that up. But let's talk. Uh, yeah. It'll be a waste of your time, but we'd be happy to. We'll talk go
2: deeper in the red to set up the infrastructure to have nobody advertise with us. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is kind
1: of a, a, an experiment in blind faith right now because it's been two years. Who knows how many people still have our little podcast feed hooked up to their their RSS feed or their podcast app or whatever. Uh, So if you're listening to this, uh, please let us know, and we'll, you know, keep pushing to make sure everyone's aware that we do have a podcast feed, and hopefully this won't be the last one we do. Um, But I did want to kind of shift gears here for a moment and just talk about, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of this show that uh, we're recording this a few days after the results of the election, and we discussed this beforehand. We're not going to try and make some sort of broad political statement on this show. We're going to
0: change minds today. Yeah. So, really...
2: (laughs) <laughs> to, to keep it to keep it simple and straightforward, would you give the results of election night a thumbs
1: up or a thumbs down? I mean, I can't
0: see, so I guess we have to say
1: I would give the results of the last year and a half of American middle politics finger. a year's a, a thumbs down and a middle <laughs> finger and just a, like a crying panda emoji.
2: Yeah, thumb. I was gonna say I'll give it two double fingers and a stone cold stunner,
0: three poop emojis, and uh, a is there a dumpster fire emoji yet? Uh, No, but I'm sure
2: there will be, and that will be the death of the phrase dumpster fire.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: So regardless of how exactly you feel about the election or um, what your experiences, your life experiences uh, tell you about the result, um, I think we can all agree that this has been an incredibly um, disruptive and kind of unprecedented event in world history, at least this country's history. And I have found myself thinking about the work we do here. Uh, I know it doesn't really make a big difference to the outside world. It's not the same as uh, obviously getting out there and helping people who really need the help the most right now. But um, I do think that it is always worth considering what are we contributing to the broader conversation, the broader sort of cultural um, dialogue happening in our world. And For better or worse, one of the things I've always been most drawn to is this whole idea of artistic criticism and um, really trying to dig into what makes a medium like games uh, function, what's successful, what's challenging, what seems controversial, what seems like a backward step or a major step forward. I think that uh, deep down, I think that the analysis we've done here um, and continue to do is valuable. I think it does help give people new ideas to consider, new perspectives to uh, evaluate, and on some level, I think that that helps feed into the broader dialogue about how do we make this medium more inclusive, more interesting, more challenging, and uh, ultimately better.
0: Yeah, what you just said there about in uh, inclusivity, uh, what was the name, uh, the author of the article you shared the other day from um, gamesindustry.biz?
1: Ah, uh, shoot, I forget the name of the author. Um, I can look it up.
0: She's a developer. Uh, it was a great piece, and just essentially that piece talked about uh, she's been in the industry worked on big triple a games had uh, like many who aren't the call of duty fan I, you know, I always shit on call of duty but it's a great initial example of the target market you know the the dude the 18 to 34 year old just that classic as far as gaming up until this point demographic and she being in the industry realizing games are boring uh as far as they are built and target built by and targeted to that uh one demographic and how can we her being a developer and speaking to other developers create games that uh want to include people that a friend of hers uh hated games essentially you know and She convinced that friend to play Skyrim and then a few weeks later got a call from her when Lydia, one of the followers, died and just how emotionally distraught uh, her friend was um, about that character and not realizing you could have these emotional experiences with uh, video games and that comparison of, well, books, people thinking books are better and movies are better and so on. Uh, so that uh, that point you're making, Nick, about inclusivity and how our blog and what we do can push the nation forward in a positive direction after the results of this election, um, I think they are very interconnected. Be it someone being a developer who's trying to make games that are for everyone and not for everyone because it will sell to everyone, not like a Wii sports that grandparents love too because it's inoffensive. But games that have different perspectives, different goals. It's not just kill this, get this XP, get those coins sort of thing. The classic games that I still love, of course, but games that do more, uh, be it Gone Home or Emily is Away, uh, so on and so forth that we've seen the last couple of years since we did this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we can do, from my perspective, is talk about games and how we can... Uh, have inclusivity and how what we write and what we create, even though we are all white dudes on this. And we always joke about that as far as being aware of that um, and being aware of our privileges gamers and both white men, uh, the whole group of us are. And still when we write and create and do editorials and uh, record podcasts of taking that other look at the industry at games criticism, and maybe beyond that, because we've talked about sort of expanding coverage, not just video games, but, you know, remains to be seen, you know, where are we uh, pushing the limit? Where are we challenging the industry and entertainment today? Uh, And by doing that, opening the conversation of of, um, inclusiveness, that I think can help, from my perspective, American liberalism, and help us get back to a place where we aren't just Uh, perceived as elites or uh, because at least I identify as a Democrat, we aren't uh, pushing people away that are in need, that are um, uh, what I might have called yokels in the past, the working class that I've looked down on because of racism or bigotry or whatever. That's beside the point. So where I'm seeing an opportunity for us is that even though it's about games or media or entertainment culture that we could be dissecting, how are we challenging and pushing the limits on what is put out as a product to then uh, encourage a more inclusive uh, media culture to then hopefully get more people to see that there are other perspectives out there than the 18 to 34-year-old white male? I mean, we we at least have that much power to guide the conversation that way for the people who listen to us, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. And I think one crucial step of that that, honestly, I don't think we've done a good job of historically is to amplify those voices that are different from ours. Mm -hmm. I think we've done a pretty good job of trying to broaden the general conversation around games. I think that we've had, you know, I looked back on a lot of our old podcasts, read a lot of old articles when we were in our hiatus. And I was, you know, I don't want to get too full of ourselves here, but I was really impressed with the general level of quality of the the intercourse, as Doug would say, uh, (laughs) of how we approach these topics.
0: We've got good intercourse. (laughs)
2: can 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 I defend myself at least by saying it is six something in the
1: morning in Japan, so... Yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I I'm just I'm I'm happy you made the effort to be here. I know that's like maybe the worst thing in the world to have to do on a Sunday morning. So I, I um, got
2: I got up for this earlier than I usually would for work. So <laughs> Oh my
1: god. So Doug is saying he woke up like this. Um <laughs> He's staying woke. Um but yeah, like amplifying voices I think is an important thing to do. And there's a lot of great writers out there who like by the way, the author of the article that Aaron mentioned a few minutes ago is by Bree Code and it's called video games are boring it's a article she posted on gamesindustry.biz i'll include a link to it in the show notes um but i i think that's a challenge that we need to think about too is you know in order to really maximize our contribution to these conversations like what should we be doing more of like is original content is important original discussions are important but you know can we take a more active role in seeking out um different voices even if they're just voices who are like non-traditional game developers or game players, um, let alone, you know, other writers, other journalists, critics out there. I think there's a lot of opportunity out there to use our admittedly limited influence to try to, you know, broaden the conversation and make it a little bit more, uh, comprehensive.
0: Yeah. I, I would a hundred percent, uh, love to see us go that direction and to Maybe not defend, but to give perspective on when we started the blog and where we've come from, uh, or yeah, I guess where we have come from and where we're going. Uh, so Nick, finding that um, the redeemable qualities and the good content that we put out—you know—it's always been there, and I think it's just our growth uh, as games critics/slash writers and as purveyors of this website, um, owners of it. We started out talking about games in a way that was familiar to us, which was just traditional uh, magazine and website criticism. You know, you do a review score, you uh, do previews, and you talk about how good the graphics were or not, which you know, there's always a place for that. But I, I do think it's more important to uh, push the industry forward by, um, you know, dissecting the critical elements of that, that aren't just consumer media focused. Um, we would play games that we bought because we were young 20 somethings. And at least even if we were trying different games and not just that call of duty stereotype, we did buy call of duty and we bought halo and, you know, some of us still buy racing and sports games and there's nothing wrong with any of those, but that was just kind of the narrow viewpoint from which we approach games, even if, growing up we played lots of different games that had different tastes we were kind of a uh, echo of just games culture from the mid 2000s uh up till today but games the industry is changing and even though it still caters to that one demographic that one viewpoint uh there's so much going on in the independent scene that you know, we could be better about covering that, or as Nick's saying about uh, how we engage conversationally other viewpoints that are related to games, because it's not just AAA developers anymore.
2: Yep. Yeah. Definitely. And you know, I I, I hear you in there with that little shot about racing and sports games, but even there, <laughs> it's it's there's some interesting stuff and there's some different stuff that's happening. There's independent stuff that is happening. You a different skin tone.
0: Too. On Forza Horizon three this year, which you know you couldn't in Horizon two, you were just generic white dude. So that's at least something. It's not gonna, yeah. And, you
2: know, and as one critic, the White House back, but <laughs> hey. as one critic I, I know was uh, talking about with Horizon three, it's like I I can't make a character that's a bald white guy. That's like the default in everything else. What the hell? And that, <laughs> it wasn't serious because the guy is also pretty progressive. But it was just kind of funny, like oh yeah, like uh, a a white guy with little. Or Space hair Marine and driving. is yeah. like that's like the default, or that's an available option in everything, and it's not one of the ones in Horizon. So it's like, huh, that's interesting. And it, it doesn't make a huge difference on the way you play the game, but it is, you know, a nice little thing. And you know, it's it's a small thing, yeah. but I'm I'm currently working on uh, FIFA's The Journey, and your main character is uh, mixed of black and uh, white British descent. And so that means one, his, his mom is black and his, his father and grandfather, uh, the grandfather playing a bigger role so far in the story is, is white. And it's a small thing, but it, it feels more representative both of, I guess, where America is, as America is getting more mixed and has much more of a, you know, less black and white and more of a brown feel, especially as we move forward. And it's also pretty true to how British society is becoming. So it's, it's a small thing. It could have been, you know, anything else, but it's. It is a small step in a certain way.
0: Maybe that's a good segue into a catch-up on games over the last two years since we've included (laughs) the podcast. Sounds easy. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But are there maybe, Nick, I'm sure you have a lot to talk about because you've uh, stuck with your head in the development world since then. Um, I know you follow and are very interested in. You've had game meetups. I mean, you've been engaged whereas I've been on a media and just game player way engaged. I haven't been on the development side, but what about from your perspective over the last couple of years, have there been any significant changes to the industry improvements? I mean, it's November, so we're still getting new call of duties coming out, but that hasn't changed, but what's different now from your view?
1: Um, a lot has changed on the business side. Uh, You know, Nintendo announced its new console, its Hail Mary, the Switch, uh, which is kind of exactly what people thought it would be, and at the same time, kind of a wild card. Uh, And then there's also the whole aspect of you've got major players in Facebook and HTC slash Valve and Sony trying to make VR a thing this year. And uh, early indications say that it's kind of hitting a small demographic, but probably not really sticking the landing yet because of the price because of the limited quantity of games the general high price of those games for the uh depth of experience so the business is in a weird place and i think that uh, as usual a lot of the more interesting uh cultural uh developments are happening on the indie scene as usual like uh you know you mentioned earlier Aaron uh, this idea of trying to reach outside of our comfort food of like our World of Warcrafts which we should get into at some point because it's a whole can of worms uh and the uh Call of Duty annual release and trying to try some new stuff um this year I there are so many games I want to play that just are kind of out I never would have imagined these games existing a year ago uh ranging from just very bizarre but very very well done puzzle games like uh i think uh ink repair is a developer who made a new game called steven's sausage roll which is a game a puzzle game about moving sausages so they don't get burnt (laughs) that's apparently just like excellent uh and then you also have a new visual novel slash like kind of erotic game from um christine love called uh lady killer in a bind which is kind of like a weird well not it places a lot of themes that you don't normally see in games like there's issues of like gender presentation there's a lot of like i guess bdsm themes and stuff that you wouldn't see Mm. in normal video games and um that's a game where i'm like just so fascinated by the premise and also having played a lot of christine loves other games i just feel like it's really cool that we live in an era where a game like that can uh exist an audience yeah and apparently it's selling quite well it's only i think on humble but it's doing quite well Mm. and that's really encouraging to see that like There is an audience for these alternative voices. There is an audience for. um,
0: So, is it another fulfillment of the if you build it, they will, well, play in this case?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I I sure hope so. Um, And, you know, on the flip side of things, too, and I I promise this is not me making a sales pitch for Game of the Year, but uh, you had this year began with the release of The Witness. Keep that shit out of here. (laughs) By Jonathan Blow, which, you know, does not deal with concepts of like sexuality or gender or anything uh, or race but it does deal with science versus faith and it deals with learning and the concept of like what does it mean to acquire knowledge and how do you perceive the world as a result and i know that sounds pretty high concept for a game that on the surface is just connecting dots but um a game with that sort of i, I this probably makes me sound like i might head in my ass but just bear with me <laughs> It's a very, like, intellectually driven game. It's a game that is meant to be dissected and looked through academic lenses at. And that's a game that was a big gamble, too. He self-financed a lot of that stuff. The game retail for 40 bucks, I believe. It's It was a gamble, too.
0: And, and his, yeah, his last game, Braid, was more traditional. I mean, it was subversive. But yeah. it was more traditional and recognizable to the average Super Mario uh, born and raised player. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I think there's never been a better, I always say that's because it's a cliche, but as the, as the games market continues to diversify, uh, the chances of finding something that will surprise you and really present you with a new set of experiences or new perspectives continues to increase. And that's, I think, why I'm still so energized by doing what we do.
2: Yeah, I think we are seeing a lot of different stuff come out from different places and we are seeing the pool get wider which is making it harder for those again tentpole triple a annual titles to survive and to be feeling really fresh because you know they're doing something that's pretty similar year in year out and i think it's you know it's it's tougher to make that fresh of course if you're doing it yearly but when you are seeing how things are spreading out and how it's getting to be different it's um you know it's bringing the pool wider and bringing different views and different ideas in I'm I'm interested in some of the more wacky stuff like uh indie title 100 Foot Robot Golf which is exactly what it is but also a love letter to bad anime fan dubs and subs and it it's it, it was made by a small crew on a smaller budget and so coming to that after playing like Forza Horizon or something else that has tens of millions of dollars and a cast of thousands behind it is a bit jarring in certain ways in terms of production but you know, it's <laughs> legitimately yeah. made me laugh a number of times in terms of the story and uh, five Corgis playing golf together as one. Yeah, the Corgi uh, Voltron
1: is just the best thing I've seen all year.
2: And Not just the Corgi Voltron, but the pile of them as the, the animated drawing as well is pretty fantastic. <laughs> I, I should have, I... if I was in the States and could have, if I could have assured that my parents would not flip out when they saw the t-shirt arrive, I would have gotten no goblins. Uh knockoff um and NR- t-shirt that they had on sale
1: oh yeah balls in the cup all's right with the <laughs> just simply <laughs> simply
2: to wear that in japan and get you know around certain places and see the otaku that still have this like evangelion is almost star wars level in terms of how just it crosses presence well just it crosses cultures and it's a massive thing and so then having a parody shirt for that, I think would resonate well around here.
0: Get some cred. Yeah. Yeah. I've um, for my, the last couple of years for games for me, um, I've, I would sum it up by saying lately the, the past few months, I have purchased my fair share of triple A games as I'm wont to do. Um, but I am getting more restless with them. Um, that's not to say there isn't a lot of great uh, happenings in that space. I mean, I guess I'm not even really playing indies that much aside from um, I started up Owlboy the other day, which doesn't, uh, you know, I'm maybe an hour in so I can't speak to the full game. And it's not like, you know, talking, uh, uh, helping those who are owl people in the real world deal <laughs> with issues. So I, I don't foresee that uh, really broadening a conversation on inclusion. Maybe it will. I don't know. Um, But I am... Yeah, I'm kind of we've we have talked on this website so much in the past uh, about and usually poking fun at Nick about his t- uh, being tired of AAA and uh, <laughs> but I think he was kind of ahead of the curve because for me, you know, I ha- I purchased ASX the the most recent one Mafia 3, which I'll talk about more in a second. Um uh Far Cry Primal, which I played half an hour of. I didn't know was, you got that. Yeah, I have it on. It was another one of those cases where, so for me, for anybody who cares, my kind of habits tend to, I'll pre-order games that I know I'm going to like anyway, and I have a Prime membership, so I get those games for 48 bucks on uh, Amazon, so it's not that big of a deal. You save money here and there. I like to deal hunts for games, and because I do want to try a, a, bri- a broad variety of games, um, and if there's a sale on it, then that's kind of all I need as justification. I rarely pay sixty dollars for games anymore, so that's just kind of my my uh, ability to save money to put that money forward to trying more experiences down the road. But I haven't picked up Gears. I gave uh, Sworn off Call of Duty a long time ago. Battlefield is one of my favorite franchises, but I haven't picked up one. Titanfall 2, Nick said some good things about. I know right now he can't play due to technical issues, but uh, you know I never really got into the first one. Um, Gears of War, I liked back in the day, but I just don't really care about now. And that's weird for me. Usually there's a handful of games that I'll pick up that are AAA-focused and... I just kind of get through them um occasionally they will surprise and but lately i've just not cared like i've played more or have had more desire to play civ 6 which just came out the last month than anything else um no man's sky was a big disappointment for me personally um it wasn't exactly triple a but it was kind of marketed as that and where I'm at right now is, uh, I guess, I don't know uh, where what my relationship is to games. I'm playing World of Warcraft, as uh, we talked about, and I wrote about in my editorial. And that's good to get back into sort of a, hey, old friend. Um, um, Hello, darkness, just, my old friend. the yeah, <laughs> real son of a bitch that I thought I wouldn't see again, but isn't so bad these days. Um, so that's... Familiar, but uh, I guess I just am tired of a lot of uh, AAA games, and there's still some left to go this year. Like Final Fantasy 15, I hope is great because I love JRPGs on a nostalgia level. Um, Pokemon comes out next week, and I always make room for that. But I just I'm having a hard time right now, guys, giving a shit about most of the games that are coming out, and I'm hoping to turn my attention to more of those unique experiences um, which I've kind of done a bad job this year of keeping up with. Unlike last year when we, you know, uh, had undertale up at the top, we had, um, um, Oh, geez. I forgot the name of the, uh, detective game. Oh, uh, her story. Her yeah. Story. Her story. Yeah. Uh, um, civil. Or yeah. Um, yeah. there were in our last game of the year, uh, amazing, uh, independent games that I had gotten uh, the chance to play, and we nominated, and they were just amazing experiences. Largely, a lot of the ones that we put up were by female developers, which is great. And this year, I've just kind of lost touch of that. uh, With games, I'm still reading news, but I'm not really keeping up and trying to play everything this time. And I think that's because, yeah, my life has gotten um, more uh, responsibility-focused with a marriage and house and such, but... I still have time for games, but I am losing a bit of that desire oh. to just try everything. So, well, point
2: being... Sorry, finishing No, go point. ahead, Doug. I was going to say, don't worry too much about feeling overwhelmed or kind of blasé at the moment, because if you are not interested in AAA games, this is the time of year when all of them are happening all at once. So, if yeah. you, can, you can kind of, by default, feel like, I don't care, just because you're not interested in the whole deluge of nonsense that's coming out right now. Like, we've had yeah. a Call of Duty fo- followed by Gears of War followed by, you know, just, just right in a row for the last month or two. So traditional, it can it yeah. can feel like it's passing you by just because you happen to not be interested. But I, I know you'll come back. Or
1: Andromeda's is coming out next yeah, year. Mass Effect next year. Back. So my <laughs> argument is null. And also, <laughs> I want to, two games you didn't mention, Aaron. That I know that you've loved, and I think a lot of us did. Uh, on the AAA side, I know that you had a great time with Doom, the 2016 reboot. Right. I love that game too. Like I've, you know, you mentioned I'm like the cynical anti AAA person, except uh, for Doom. Well, I've, it's been a good year for AAA for me, like, though. I'm still playing Uncharted 4 and having a What's surprisingly happened? good time with that. But at the same time, at the same time, I played Battlefield 1 in the beta, and I was like, cool, it's Battlefield. Not going to yep. buy this. I played, like... I haven't played any Mafia 3 yet, but I watched some of it, and I was like, cool, it's an open-world game. I'm done with those. Right. Um, <laughs> but then Doom. Oh, my God. And then also, uh, Stardew Valley is an indie game that you really latched onto, Aaron, more than I think any of us.
0: Yeah, and that's... Uh... I don't, I think it's a case of finally playing a game uh, from a well-established genre that just clicks with you. Um, I'm sure that's the feeling people who've never played an RTS game, they play the first one that actually makes sense to them, and they think like, or they over-exaggerate, oh, this is the best RTS ever. And of course, the people who've been playing, in the case of uh, Stardew Valley, Harvest Moon since 1990-something, probably go, yeah, you know, it's, it's whatever, but... Yeah, that game resonated with me, Um, as you said, Doom did. And I think uh, I want to reward not just game of the year wise, but just in my own purchasing decisions going forward, reward games that take traditional uh, and very well established gameplay loops and um, genres and toss what out, toss what doesn't work out of the window. And just Make the experience fun, um, and try to subvert things. And I guess we kind of always reward that on our website, uh, uh, in our content. Yeah, games that do things differently and aren't just a status quo, because you know, Call of Duty is still always a solid shooter, there's nothing wrong with that. The mechanics work generally, but it doesn't do anything different, um, generally. So, but the, the only thing I was going to add, um, in building up to that, that, uh, Tiredness, I'm feeling. I did finally last night go back and play more of Mafia 3 just to try to get through it and see if there was something redeeming. I'm still very early on in the story, Uh, the story being of Lincoln Clay, a Vietnam um, vet in the late 60s. Um, He's of, I believe, um, Latin American or Dominican and Black descent. And so the story from his perspective in the late 60s is very racially charged. And while so far the game can be a bit ham-fisted with that, um, it actually does seem to be affecting. So as you're playing this black character uh, who is an, in an open world, as Nick said, and doing the things that you do in an open world crime game, killing people and you know taking over territory and so on... I mean, you're constantly bombarded with the N-word by the Dixiecrat um and the racist and the good old boy uh, feeling of Louisiana. It's an appropriation of that in the 60s. And just that 60s culture and that racism, um, one of the outfits you can wear that's a special outfit from Lincoln, um, kind of like Grand Theft Auto, you can dress your characters up, is a Black Panther outfit, which nice. I've been wearing the whole time, just be like the baddest motherfucker Um, just killing these white racist dudes was kind of weirdly cathartic in a game. But, you know, like I said, it's ham-fisted where it is not exactly so far broaching upon the complex discussions of racism in America and the history, but it's very forward about that. And just the point being that it's a open-world shooting game, crime game, that is not afraid of putting you Yes, it's a stereotype of the angry black man, but anger, I think, in the game is very well explained. Um, You know, he went to Vietnam and basically his whole family's killed um, when he comes back by crime lords. So, you know, the anger is not just a stereotype inherent, but um, it's earned. But just that that game and that protagonist exist is kind of a cool thing in uh, an unfortunate way um, for AAA. Unfortunate that, you know, they still it's still an issue and it's still uh, surprising that they would put a protagonist who's black at the forefront. Like even in Grand Theft Auto, you had two white guys surrounding the one black protagonist. So uh, the game is much, I think, better than I gave it credit for. It's still janky on many levels being um, developed by sort of a B team, uh, developer hanger 13, I think is pretty new. No offense to them. Um, but the aspects of like, I'm a, I'm a white guy playing this game where I'm playing a character who is constantly, uh, subjected to racism in the sixties in the South. And at least I have the power as that character to just blast people away who are like that, which is kind of, uh, interesting to say the least.
2: Yeah. It sounds like it nails a lot of the atmosphere, a lot of all of the setting a lot of the tone which is really interesting and really subversive and really cool but yo it's it's still kind of a open world game and besides rock stars those tend to have some uh i guess amusing flaws and it sounds like it's more amusing as opposed to game breaking at this point but it still kind of sounds yeah. a bit
0: buggy there's something to be said about this year too with uh other pop culture like luke cage the tv show coming yeah. out on netflix of Yeah, good. I'm glad that even though we're still looping around or circling around violence as a storytelling device, at least there are um, characters who inhabit that world of violence that have typically and traditionally been that bald space marine white guy, that at least um, black characters are having, fictional characters are having a chance to do the things that white characters have been doing and white media has been doing for generations. Um, So, I mean, that's progressive even though i wish it was more than just you know beat people up kill them sort of thing luke cage being a little bit more uh, honorable oh well, yeah he sense, doesn't but... kill anybody yeah but yeah
1: i mean i really enjoyed that show but I, i'm a sucker for anything marvel but it was just it was really cool to see um uh, marvel like I, you know whatever i'm not trying to praise corporations left and right here but um uh, it was refreshing to see them portray uh you know a black protagonist in harlem uh and you know to deal with the spectre of racism and the different ways that um you know these larger than life characters uh adapt to uh, their life in that community and you know it's it's a little over the top but um he's a character mm-hmm. i really felt really good like rooting for and like following it was a very um it was a fun show
2: well it's good to see them have a a black character in a tv show in such a major way that i guess passes the race equivalent of the beckdel test you know, yeah, it's they it's not the token character. Have... It's a black world, and it's yeah. majority black in there. And it mm-hmm. kind of, uh, I guess, tra- or, um, what's the word I'm looking for It's uh, something transcends. in the morning? Yeah, it transcends, but it compares and is a bit of a mirror to The Hell's Kitchen with so many white characters. You know, with and Daredevil, Daredevil and, and Jessica James. Jones, yeah. Yeah, it, and
0: soon to be Iron Fist.
2: Right. So it's, it's interesting how those two can be compared.
0: Yeah, you know, I. I... Luke Cage was a great show because it proved that a black protagonist doesn't have to alienate white viewers. I mean, it's just a show about a superhero and that would have many themes about black culture, especially in Harlem and today and the the nuances of police brutality and Trayvon Martin with uh, and shootings of black men. Uh, it, yeah, it's an amazing show because it just exists, number one, which... I'm glad it does, and it doesn't, it proved that you don't have to alienate white viewers by making a show that has elements of black culture and a black protagonist.
2: Well, it it proves that you won't alienate black viewer or white viewers, and that you will get them in, and that you will, will open up, hey, how about this, other
0: avenues and other people into this world. Yeah, conversations can start, even yeah. though it's a Marvel thing, as Nick said, and even though it's you know, they're out to make money and it's a comic book hero and it's not exactly true life. Um, the fact that that character is now in the forefront of their uh, catalog and their stable of shows and properties is awesome to at least start the conversation for many uh, white viewers who aren't used to that. Like every hero is uh, Captain America to them or Superman. Right. And, um, there's a lot more that can be done, especially on that front. And of course, in every other aspect of media, fictional or not, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been an interesting year to finally see some barriers being pushed, not completely broken in, uh, pop culture.
2: Yeah. And not to make this necessarily a, a congratulations on Marvel for the pat on, a pat on the back conga line, but, uh, we saw Black Panther debut in Marvel civil war in Captain mm-hmm. America civil war and, uh, that has coincided with Black Panther being a bigger character for Marvel's comics and that comic run being written by uh, renowned um, African-American writer, Tannehazy Coates. And I know mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. by itself has gotten a couple friends who are African-American back into comics. And that means we will have more people and and more people that aren't white dudes around that table and in, in that discussion in that world. And without yeah. without changing that, we will not get more things that are
0: representative well it kind of it all to me cascades down to even the result of the election i mean there's not unfortunately a bench be it in pop culture in um politics of people that aren't that one perspective um, that aren't like us as far as white people you know we're liberal i would say all of us are pretty much liberal uh on the website but the the bench of creative voices, uh, even in games, you know, is notoriously devoid of people of color and women. And though there are, of course, many that have made a stamp this year um, and in previous years and there are creators of all types out there, mostly in the independent scene, it feels like, um, you know, what can we do? I think about that a lot. I think about, what, how can I use my privilege, be it as a, just a purveyor of uh, games themselves and the medium and the industry? What can I do to help encourage other perspectives and viewpoints kind of to loop it back to what we were talking about before? Yep.
2: Yeah, it's, yep. I've, In general, I've done that a lot this year to think about what can I do from my place to better educate myself or what can I do to then support <clears throat> the ways that things should move forward and how things should move forward. And, you know, we can we can be upset or frustrated at how the top of the card for the election went, but at the same time, there have been, you know, I think a Somali-American woman was voted into the Senate or Congress, I can't remember which, um, but from Minnesota. And I believe the first uh, Indian-American uh, representative was also voted in at the, on election night as well. And that's, that's not nothing. It's small, and it's not the change that we... Or it's not the uh, what we wanted to see at the top. But it's not nothing at the same time.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, we mentioned this earlier, but um, in many ways, there's never been a better time for us to... And this is going to sound super, like, self-congratulatory, and I promise it's not. But I think <laughs> that, like, the mission of what we do, the reason why we talk about this stuff, the reason why we sure games and recommendations with each other. The reason why we dissect them in such detail, uh, is to keep these conversations going and to hopefully, you know, introduce people to new concepts, new games, new ideas they hadn't considered previously. And, uh, you know, there's never really honestly been a more important time for us to do that since the site's inception than I think right now.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's really the crux of why we wanted to get together today was to say, even though Things can be rough out there. And even though all all that we're doing, I'm using air quotes here, all that we're doing is talking about video games. But this is a time where, in and in a place in this industry, where bringing out those gems or bringing out those pl- things from other cultures, other groups, is more important than ever.
1: Pretty much. I mean, I can't think of a better way to... <laughs> sum that up.
0: I I agree with you totally, Doug, and that's a great way to sort of cap our discussion today. And uh, as Nick has been um, alluding to, we hope this is not the last podcast in a while. There's not a two-year hiatus uh, again. And because we're so active on the site and we, of course, have Game of the Year coming up uh, in the next couple of months, uh, we have deliberations for that on, what, the 8th? The 9th. Nick? 9th um,
1: the 10th or slash 10th and by the way this will be our last <laughs> podcast we record at 6 a.m japan time so don't worry thank Doug. you <laughs> uh i believe our game of the year feature we haven't nailed down dates for publication yet but i was thinking uh either the second to last or the last week of december you should see some content going up on the site for that uh and then, until then um i have an article drafted i didn't run it this week because i felt like it was maybe uh not the right some other time things going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah but we do have some stuff in the pipeline. I'm writing another article for next week, and uh I hope that you'll you know stay tuned uh give us feedback. Tell us when we're uh completely off base. You know we wanna hear from you, so
0: yeah, yeah, please check out what we've done since we've uh come back online uh Spencer's put out an article uh Nick has a few out uh, Doug a few. I have the one I've talked about. I wanna get going on some more soon um so yeah, we're gonna continue our conversation um, and bring forward those, those aspects we discussed today. Um, you know, what can we do to further the conversation, to fill the bench, so to speak for progressive viewpoints and voices, both in, um, the games industry and outside of that, as we move forward into this new and, uh, to say the least interesting chapter of our, of our country. Um, you know, so we'll do all our, our small part, um, that we can. So, um, Thank you, gentlemen, for being here um, today. Uh, Where can people find you these days online? Are you hanging out on Twitter, Snapchat, Tinder even? Any Tinder (laughs) um, additions that you want to throw out there? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. Where can they find you online, Nick? Uh,
1: God, I don't know. I'm kind of laying low right now uh, on the internet just trying to... uh mentally heal a bit <laughs> uh you can find me on clash of clans i'm sorry clash royale uh because tyler <laughs> decided to recommend it to me and now i can't stop fucking playing it uh so you can have this timeline i think i'm ymog on there w-h-y-m-o-g jo- join my clan uh i play like once a week now it's i'm weaning myself off uh and most other places you can find me as ymog
2: you, you, okay. you only you only play when somebody else is playing and or whenever whenever somebody else is going outside to play right Kinda, <laughs> no. I'm a I'm a social uh, Clash Royale player. Exactly, or, you're, or I, I only do it when I'm drunk.
0: Man, I I don't think I was ready for you to like self-identify. Use that as a way to identify yourself as far as Clash of Royale clans, whatever it's called. Anyway, uh, Doug, where can people find you online?
2: Um, I'm also taking a bit of a hiatus because because <laughs> this, this, be- this is the absolute best time to be asking what I'm doing with social media is when I'm taking a small break from social media just to clear the head a little bit, but I will check in with stuff just not constantly. Um, okay. at Douglas Bonham on Twitter and uh, I believe both Harper DC on both PlayStation and get this Xbox. Yes, I am the guy that bought the Xbox that charted this year, the, this this past month or so in uh Yeah, in Japan. That's
0: actually some good fodder coming up for Game of the Year. <sighs> um, it's going to going to yeah. influence things. So both Tyler and uh, Doug picked up um, Xbox S's, right? Uh, just in the last couple of months
2: Tyler had an Xbox one S brought to him in Japan it is not available openly for sale in Japan so uh, I, I bought a I see. no I was gr- gonna ask uh, if no technically we call this a gray import um <laughs> it was legal but it was brought in so it's a gray import and mine is just an Xbox one that I bought off the shelf in uh in Japan and it turned out that there are better deals available less than a month later. So that's wonderful. But you yeah.
0: Never, yeah. You'll never win. No. With that, that's what I figured. I mean, I Yeah, I
2: very, very, very much. So have the, you'll never win theory as well,
0: which feels like life right now. Um, yeah. But so no, I've, find...
2: I've, I've got a Forza box. I have an Xbox one and I'll probably get gears when I get back for the, to the States. But yeah, add me on there if you want to, if you're a listener, if you are, one of our friends and haven't thought about that in a while um yeah. time zones might work out well but at least you see, see what i'm playing and see what my achievements are
1: come hang with yeah. our drivatars
0: yeah Dravatars. my Dravatars
2: really is right not now. as good as i am but i am pretty damn good at that game There are some not, absolute well, savages no, up at level a Hun- couple hundred multiple what? hundreds yeah that's a oh, thing yeah.
0: there are some lifers good lord
2: i don't know how well uh
0: i think uh yeah, I think Force is pretty great, but my drivatar is not as good as me either. Um <laughs> you can you can find me, Aaron, on Twitter, but I I've been on a hiatus for that, not related to um the election, but I just don't really use Twitter anyway. Uh at Aaron there. Um you can find me on Facebook using the angry emoji face on a lot of the election news. Um just look for the I'm guy also... reposting
1: all the onion articles.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's either onion articles where I'm pissed about something. Um <laughs> right now. That's kind of my life, which is fine. It's how I cope. And uh I'm more active on the social media network uh of Untapped, which is a beer recommendation app. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing way more content on Untapped than I am Facebook these days. And yeah,
1: um, you're you're just inflating their daily active user count, aren't you?
0: Oh yeah they uh, send me like advertisements all the time and uh i i think you know, they got my number um i like to keep track of what beer i drink which is i saw that you I got that pass it i saw you got that election night badge so <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah i was i was drinking um <laughs> so yeah and you can find me on gaming networks usually as athay athay if you don't know that already um and as far as our uh blog um our website, please find us on Twitter. We, of course, um, post uh, articles as they go live and repost uh, over the week on at Sasquatch Gaming. We're on Facebook under Silicon Sasquatch. Uh, like our page there if you're so inclined. Uh, we have Twitch and uh, YouTube, but we don't really do any game streaming these days. Nick does some streaming himself on occasion, so you can hit him up if you're interested. We in, might we might have to do that, that in the near future. We might, we have might to, need to
2: stream some stuff. We might have to do some streaming. might have to yeah, do that. Yeah,
0: so... We may be on there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, go to siliconstaskwatch.com as always, to find uh, what we're up to. And we appreciate everybody for listening today. Uh, Thank you so much. And we'll be back soon, we promise.